Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Groove Talk. Groove Talk is brought to you by Froggy Style Productions. Froggy Style Productions is actually doing something really cool for the month of May. They are donating all the proceeds from their merch sales to the Canadian Mental Health Association. So if you're in the market for a t-shirt or a mug or something like that, head on over to fsproductions.ca, check out what they have, and help raise awareness for mental health. You can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and there's more details up on their social media, so check it out. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I'm going to take a couple moments here and thank the people who helped to make this show possible. So, Barbara Emerson, Tori Smith, Tierra Penner, Wanda Smith, Brandon Nadu, Jeff Perry, who plays in a cool band called Illyrian, Quinn Rupert, who plays in a cool band called Chained by Mind, and Razavan Cortescue. (laughs) I'm going to probably screw that up a bunch, but thank you, Raz, and thank you to all the other people who donate to the show on a monthly basis. These are our $5 patrons, $5 or more. And if you would like to become one of these people, check out our Patreon page. You can find it at patreon.com slash fsproductions. We've actually simplified it a lot. So there's three tiers. You have your dollar tier. The dollar tier gets you unedited and ad-free access to all the podcasts that get released through Froggy Style Productions. It also gives you early access to those podcasts. The $3 tier gives you access to a bonus podcast, and a private RSS feed, and the $5 tier gets you a shout-out on Groove Talk and the other podcast produced by Froggy Style Productions. This is your brain on podcasts. So if you would like to donate to this show, check out our Patreon page. I'll have a link in the episode notes if you are interested, and it makes it real easy for you to check it out. Again, thank you to all the people who are currently supporting the show. You help us make this thing the best podcast that it can possibly be. If you're looking for a free way to support the show, you could always leave a rating or review on your podcast listening app of choice, whether it be Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. I don't know if they do reviews on Spotify, but whatever. If you can leave a rating and review, leave one. It really helps. It helps with visibility. It helps us break through those algorithms and reach the most amount of glorious listeners that we possibly can. So if you have the time, rating and review, it would be highly appreciated. If you are fans of the show and like up-to-date information, consider signing up for our monthly newsletter. You can find the monthly newsletter sign-up page at fsproductions.ca. It's the very first thing that you're going to see when you visit the website. You just type in your email, hit sign up, and you are subscribed to the monthly newsletter. The monthly newsletter comes out on the first Monday of every month, and it just keeps you informed with everything that's going on with this podcast, as well as all the other podcasts that get produced through Froggy Style Productions. It uh, gives you a podcast schedule. It uh, 
down basically sends you a link to all the podcasts that have been released that month right into your inbox. So if you don't want to go looking through podcast apps to try and find them, it's real easy to just get it emailed to you. And it also gives you other fun things like information that's going on at Froggy Style Productions and the Let the Groove Talk monthly mixtape gets emailed directly to your inbox as well. So if that sounds like it's interesting to you, sign up for the newsletter. While you're at fsproductions.ca, check out the website. There's lots of supplementary material that goes along with these podcasts, including articles and album reviews and stuff like that. So if that's your jam, check out fsproductions.ca. Again, they also have a store there. You can buy t-shirts and mugs. And like I said, all the proceeds from merch for the month of May will be donated to the Canadian Mental Health Association, fsproductions.ca. Check it out. On this episode of Groove Talk, I am joined yet again by Tierra Penner. And Tierra helps me basically kind of recount my musical journey through life, you know, starting with my first concert all the way to how we got to this podcast. So this podcast is entitled The Music That Made Us. And it's kind of the music and the inspiration that kind of made this podcast. And it gives you a little bit more of an insight into why maybe I choose some of the bands I do to interview. And maybe all stuff like that, basically. It's just all, it goes through the musical journey of how I got to where I am. And yeah, it just, like I said, it'll give you a little bit more insight into this podcast, why I do the podcast, and why I choose the bands that I choose to interview. Because I think everybody's musical journey is unique and interesting, and it obviously has a big impact on their life, music is a big thing for everybody, I think, and it helps us remember things, and we usually attach music to certain memories and stuff like that, and so yeah, that's where we're going through my musical journey on this one. There's a lot of ranting and raving about music, and my favorite music, and favorite musical memories, and concerts, and stuff like that, so if that sounds like something you're into, you're going to really enjoy this podcast, and I hope that you do, because it was lots of fun to record, And thank you for listening, and have a great day. This is Groove Talk with Froggy Style. Welcome to another episode of Groove Talk, everybody. On this episode, I am joined yet again by Tierra. Yay! Tierra Penner. Um, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I guess things are starting to uh, lighten up a little bit, which is good. Yeah. Um, but still kind of, you know, still social distancing is encouraged and stuff like that. So... Because of that, you know, again, holding off on the interviews for a little bit. Uh, I don't know about online. I've never been a real big fan of doing online interviews, to be fair. Why? Um, 
I just like the face-to-face interaction. It is easier. Yeah. I, I like, I don't know. It's better, it's better with video chat, but I've done some interviews over the phone and some of them are good, but more often than not, they're like less fun. Yeah. Because it's more just like question, answer, question, answer. And like you can expand on stuff a little bit, but... Whereas in person, it's more likely to become a conversation. Oh, exactly. And you can also, there's also like social cues that you pick up on. You know, you can tell when somebody's going to start talking or, you know. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's harder to like kind of interject with your own ideas when you're on the phone. That makes sense. Because more often than not, people just end up talking over each other. Yeah. So, for an extended period of time. Especially if you have, like, three or more people. Mm-hmm. Never do that. I would never do that. I, like, if I, like, if we do go to interviews online, it'll be, like, one or two people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is some, I do have some stuff in the works, and we'll see if it pans out. But, again, for now, we're just going to chat. And I think that the topic of this conversation is going to revolve around basically the music that made us, you know? So I think it's kind of important to maybe get a little bit more of an insight on kind of, you know, the music we're listening to, the music I'm listening to, kind of what got me started on my musical journey and stuff. It just gives more of a context for the podcast itself. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, it, it kind of, it, it'll give you a, a an insight into maybe why I choose some of the bands I choose to have on, why I pick some of the albums I like and stuff like that, if you follow at all. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll give just a little bit more context to the overall podcast. And it's also, it's not necessarily a top 10 list, but we're also, we're going to explore some of my favorite albums, not necessarily like the top 10 or it's on a countdown or anything, but yeah, we're also just going to explore some of the bands I like, the, some of the bands that have influenced me and, uh, the, some of the albums that I, um, have been influenced by as well, as well as yourself. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I think, I don't know, in a conversation like this, I think the the best place to start might be the first concert that you ever went to. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us about your first concert experience? Uh, the first concert I went to, I was actually 21. Um I wasn't allowed to go to concerts when I was growing up. I came from a very, very conservative household. So only after I kind of like moved out and started and started making some uh, less conservative friends did I actually even think about going to concerts. And uh, the first concert I went to was Hailstorm opening for Three Days Grace. Yeah, it was a... It was a really, really fun experience. I moshed for the first time. I rode on somebody's shoulders. The dude waved at me, which was cool at the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure, yes. Yeah. No, it was just like, it was like a group of six friends and I, we went and they were all really excited for Three Days Grace and I I loved Hailstorm. I had heard of them maybe two or three years before. They were one of the first kind of non-Christian bands that I really listened to Mm -hmm. and kind of got into. Um, So that was kind of cool that I got to go see them. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You always remember the first concert that you mosh at. (laughs) For sure. 
Mine was, this, it wasn't my first concert, but the first concert that I moshed at was Rise Against. I forget who else was there, actually. I, I, yeah, it was Rise Against and a bunch of other people, but uh, I just remember, you know, we were kind of, Rise Against was coming on. We were going into the middle of the crowd to, you know, just get a good spot to watch. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're in the middle of the crowd, and as soon as Rise Against started playing, it was like a fucking tidal wave of people just rushing forward, and you just, it was like, it was impossible not to just get swept up in it. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was, yeah. It was so cool, and, yeah, that was the first concert that I ever moshed at. Yeah. yeah. My moshing experience was uh, perilous. I... One of the friends I went with, she and I have the same foot size, and so she wore heels and I wore sensible sneakers because I had never been to a concert before, but I figured there'd be lots of standing. Mm-hmm. And so it was close to the end, and she's like, my feet are absolutely killing me. Like, I'm going to go, I have to, like, leave the concert and sit down somewhere. I'm like, oh, let's just switch shoes. Like, my feet are fine. <laughs> and then I'd been kind of, like, eyeing up the mosh pit, but I didn't really know if I wanted to go into it. But then their song, I think it's uh, Let's Start a Riot, came on. And I was like, oh, I have to mosh to this. So I like went in the middle wearing my friend's heels and moshed for the first time. It's probably not advisable. No, it was crazy. <laughs> I definitely would not do again. <laughs> not only for yourself, like that's like ankle roll city. Yeah. But also like stepping on people's toes with heels. Oh, yeah. I would have felt so bad. I only moshed for about like maybe 40 seconds. It was just too chaotic with heels and, and everything else. So, mm. but it was really fun. Yeah. And like, so my first... Uh, concert experience, the very first concert I went to, which is kind of crazy when I like look back and think about it, was actually Roger Waters performing the entirety of Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Which was a pretty cool first concert. Yeah, it was probably to this day one of the coolest things I've ever seen live music-wise. It was... I've always been kind of a Pink Floyd fan, so we had just moved to Calgary... I heard it on the radio that Roger Waters was coming and playing the entirety of Dark Side of the Moon, bought tickets, great seats, took took my dad, and I went with a friend as well, and we all went, and yeah, it was just so, so cool, because, you know, he played, there was, it was, he played for three hours, there was nobody opening for him or anything like that, it was like an hour, hour and a half, then an intermission, and then he played Dark Side of the Moon to finish it off, and then there was a bit of an encore, but I just remember being so stoked and it was so mind-blowing for like because there was a laser show and like he had an inflatable inflatable pig that flew around the stadium and it was crazy it was so insane and then uh in the encore he played my favorite pink floyd song which is comfortably numb and i like was so emotional i was like tearing up a little bit it was crazy it was like one of it I, it probably started me off on my like obsession with live music it's pretty cool yeah yeah uh yeah it was pretty to this day probably one of the cool maybe i i'm looking through like because this was like i don't know 10 12-ish years ago now, maybe even more, 14, 15 years ago now. <laughs> um, 
So maybe I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses, but I remember it very fondly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, whereas my first concert was like four or five years ago. Okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, like I said, that kind of kicked me off down uh, a live music obsession, I would say. But, like, I've, I've always been uh, a huge fan of Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, actually, I got into Pink Floyd in junior high. I had just found, like, I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but the, the band that actually kicked me off into, like, kind of a you know, more of a musical, I don't know, uh, way of life. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but anyways, it put me down my musical path was actually, it was an ACDC live album. And I just found it because my, like, you know, my dad, you know, used to listen to, you know, hard rock and stuff like that. And I was going through CDs and I found this album and I listened to it and it was just like, so unlike anything that I had ever heard before. Before that, I was kind of into, like, I don't know, just what whatever was popular. I wasn't really into music, you know. I liked having music on, and I always really connected with certain types of music. But I remember, like, you know, being into, like, Prozac and, like, Aqua and the Backstreet Boys and shit like that. Because <laughs> it was what was, like, in. Yeah, and, like, 50 Cent or whatever. Right. It was, yeah, so, but this was, like the kind of the first time that I had heard like I don't know I don't want to say real music because all the other stuff is real like I still love Prozac love is a maybe a too strong of a word but I like Prozac it's kind of cool to listen to them um so that's like kind of what kicked me down my musical journey and like I can't listen to ACDC to this day because I listen to that CD so much (laughs) but how I got into Pink Floyd is I actually I just had some money saved up yeah I don't know I'd like 20 bucks or whatever my dad was going to future shop or best buy or something or whatever for some reason and i just gave him the 20 bucks i was like come back with a cool cd and wow that's he was some like, trust yeah well i was because like I, I don't know like because i didn't know at the time you know i was yeah. a kid i like i didn't know how to find like this was before the days of like you know it was hard to get music online you there was stuff like limewire and i think napster had ceased to exist by then but you know, you could uh, download music through file sharing apps, but it was like back in the time where it wasn't as easily accessible, you know, you right. had to go and buy the CD still. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, you know, I gave my dad 20 bucks. He came back with Pink Floyd, The Wall, which is, for those who don't know, is a two disc album by Pink Floyd, obviously. And it was obviously really cool. Nice. Yeah. I've always kind of had an obsession with music. I always had it playing in my room constantly. And um, while the music I was playing was like uh, things that were like quite sheltered, I remember. Um, At one point in my life, we lived in a travel trailer parked inside of a a shop for about seven or eight months. And um, I had the room at the back of the travel trailer. and, And you all know walls and travel trailers are like paper, basically. And uh, I would, every morning, I would pull out my uh, Beach Boys album, and I would listen to Beach Boys the whole morning while I got ready, and my family just about murdered me. (laughs) They're like, we are so tired of listening to Beach Boys, Tierra, and I'm like, I love them. I'm sorry. I love them. And I'm like, I can't listen to them anywhere else. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. 
Yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah, like back in the day. Another great thing my dad did for me is he actually, he bought me a stereo, like an actual stereo. Nice. That has, you know, speakers and it was good and play CDs on it and stuff. And that was really cool. And yeah, I would just sit down in my room and listen to all the CDs that, you know, trying to find something cool, like trying to find something that was like that, the first ACDC CD I went. So I basically just went and like listened to, you know, all, all the albums that my dad had laying around. So there, I think there was like, you know, Queen's Greatest Hits and I think Fleetwood Mac was in there and stuff like that. And yeah, and then the Pink Floyd. And it's kind of weird because I, I was such a fan, but like I didn't really fully understand Pink Floyd until like many years later, until I started getting more into kind of like progressive rock and progressive metal and stuff way more like later in my like uh late teens early 20s is when i really kind of started to maybe appreciate pink floyd a little bit more for what they were right yeah yeah so i mean is it it was an interesting i i I would have to say that i think my favorite pink floyd album would have to be wish you were here like all pink floyd albums (laughs) There's so many good ones, like uh, The Wall is great, Dark Side of the Moon's great, uh, The Division Bell is awesome, Animals is pretty good, and, you know, the list goes on. There's, like, I don't know, ten albums by them, but I think my favorite and the most solid Pink Floyd album is probably Wish You Were Here. Cool. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So, what, what, what CD... Or, like, album or something like that, or band, kind of kicked you off on your musical journey, would you say? Mm, I guess my dad was always really into kind of, like, the older stuff, like Santana and uh, ACDC and and, uh, uh, just people like that, right? So I I listened to a lot of that because I I would ride along with him. And go and go and hang out with him outside, and, and he would be always be playing that, right? Mm-hmm. But the kind of first time I kind of felt like ownership over music, where I'm like, I really like this because I like it, mm-hmm. not because the people around me like it, was uh, was probably ABBA. <laughs> we were standing in line at Walmart, and I remember just begging with my mom. I think I was like 14 to like buy this ABBA. ABBA album geez um for me and so she bought it and I must have listened to that over and over and I just like I still I listen to it like I'll hear it on the radio or or watching Mamma Mia or whatever and I just like think back and be like this is kind of the music that made me realize I have a different taste in music than other people Uh and that's always such an exciting thing too when you're younger um is finding stuff that you don't think anybody else knows about. <laughs> like, finding, like, music that you don't think other people are listening to and stuff. And so you can go and tell your friends, be like, yo, have you heard these guys? <laughs> like, you feel so cool because you're, like, into something that's, like, underground or whatever. <laughs> like, or, like, I, I, I remember having that moment with Sublime and being like, yeah, I'm so cool. I listen to Sublime. I'm like, yeah, underground. <laughs> I'm like, anybody, obviously, Sublime is not un- underground at all. But... <laughs> That, that's the things that go through your mind as, like, a junior high kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I just, I loved that kind of era of music, the, like, Beach Boys and ABBA. And yeah. Yeah, I listened to that kind of music 
all throughout high school, basically. Yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure we have very different musical journeys because, like, as I started with, like, kind of cl- classic rock and stuff like that, and then I kind of progressed into, like, punk music, kind of like the Ramones and the Clash and stuff like that, and, like, uh, heavier music like Metallica and, like, Dropkick Murphys and Rise Against. That's kind of when my Rise Against phase was coming in because... I think I, I learned about Rise Against from my brother, actually. But um, that per, that eventually just led me, a, a, as a teenager in high school, I would just progressively look for some stuff that was, like, heavier and mm-hmm. heavier. And also, uh, I talked about it, I think it was on the podcast I did not too long ago with uh, Anthony and Will from the Galacticas. But back then, when you were listening to music... Music was kind of like a clicky thing, you know what I mean? Oh, it totally was. You know, the, you had your, like, your punk kids, and you had your metal kids, and you had your hip-hop kids, and stuff like that. So if you, like, listen to that type of music, you could go and, like, fit in with a group. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that really exists as much anymore. I don't think so. Just because music, for one, is just so much more accessible. Mm-hmm. And, like, also because... Now, with, like, newer music, I think that the genres do kind of blend a lot more than they used to. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And that's the thing is, like, uh, there's... It's even hard to classify music in a genre nowadays, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, back in the... you know, I don't want I don't want to say back in the day, because... <laughs> then you sound like an old fart. Yeah, it's, it's not that long ago, <laughs> but, like, you know, a little bit longer ago... That sounds worse. Jeez. (laughs) There's no good way to say this. Um, Yeah, but, you know, it used to be kind of like, you know, metal was metal. And yes, you had your different types of metal, but it was metal, you know. It didn't bleed over as much. But now it's like any kind of genre crosses with, you know, there's electronic music that mixes with funk music, mixes with hip hop, mixes with indie rock. Yeah. It's a great time for music, in my opinion. Like, I don't think some of the most interesting and creative music I've probably heard within the last five years, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Some of the best things I've gone to and, and heard, for sure, yeah. have been within the last couple of years. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, uh, in high school, I eventually ended up as a metal kid. Uh, so um a lot of my other concert experiences my early concert experiences involved going to like metal shows and stuff like that so there was a lot of moshing and just like loudness and stuff like that and i remember you know back in the day you would leave a concert and you would be proud of like your injuries that you got in the mosh pit oh for sure so proud that your ears are ringing and you just did a bunch of hearing damage to yourself it's just you're like, yeah, my ears are still ringing from last night. And you're like, that means you have so much hearing damage. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I think it was the second or third concert I'd ever gone to. It was, it's, to this day, is probably one of my favorite bands that I've ever seen in concert. Um, they're called the Dreadnoughts, and they're out of Vancouver. And they came and played in Dickens. Just for anybody who doesn't know, it's like the super small little venue underground downtown. And uh, it was the first time I'd been to Dickens and I was like, oh, Jesus, this is super gross. <laughs> what even is this? I didn't think this, this, this would be where they play music. Um, but yeah, after that, I went home and I like 
had a concussion and, and I was like, yeah, I moshed so hard I got a concussion. And my friends were like, yeah. And I like think about that now. I'm like, Jesus, that was not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I probably have definitely left a, a couple of, of shows with concussions. <laughs> yeah. I remember one specific show. I don't even remember what show it was, but uh was in the just like at the edge of the mosh pit kind of towards the front and you know people crowd surf and i was looking at the stage and somebody basically just got pushed forward and dropped on my head oh my god <laughs> it's like yeah i'm pretty sure i got a concussion then but i don't know so many yeah so many crazy stories from mosh pits like yeah I remember one time I actually, I went to like go and you know how you throw up the devil horns at like a metal show? Yeah. I did that, but my finger caught in my glasses. Oh. So I tore my glasses off my face and threw them. (laughs) That's not ideal. (laughs) But literally 10 seconds later, somebody was like holding up my glasses and they were completely fine. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. (laughs) You learn like the coolness of mosh pits. Like you fall down and people are going to help you up and everybody's so friendly. When I I got that concussion, we were all like jumping and somebody just jumped into me at the wrong angle and I tripped. Yeah. And somebody behind me accidentally kicked me in the head on the way down but I honestly didn't even hit the ground like I was pulled up before that and the guy who kicked me in the head was so upset he like bought me a drink he's like I'm so sorry (laughs) here have a beer (laughs) great great remedy for a concussion yeah alcohol (laughs) probably not but (laughs) yeah yeah so and yeah like like so From my metal going days, you know, after high school, um, kind of started getting a little bit more into, you know, you know, experimenting with substances and stuff, (laughs) mostly smoking weed, but like as weird as this is going to sound, like I attribute to smoking weed to actually broadening my music horizon so much, like music and weed just like go together and I would say because of weed and also because of my friend Brendan, I got into progressive metal. So that's stuff, you know, like Tool and kind of like Mastodon. And maybe they're not metal or maybe it's progressive rock or just progressive music. But stuff like that. So, I mean, like, I remember I went to a uh, I went to a Mastodon show with Brendan, he invited me because one of his friends couldn't go, and it was Mastodon in Calgary, and they had just released the Crack the, St- the Sky album. And to this day, it's one of my favorite albums, but they were playing this whole album live, mm-hmm. and it was so, so cool. It just, like, blew my mind that, like, you know, it wasn't... It was still heavy, but it was also, like, interesting. It wasn't just heavy. It was heavy but it was like technical and interesting and that just kind of like ignited my passion for like progressive music same with tool because it's again it was it still had heaviness to it but it was interesting you know right it wasn't just heavy music i don't think that i never i never actually really got into kind of that heavier like metal type scene Mm -hmm. um like i've gone to a couple shows where like like a metal band is played or whatever but like i didn't go to see them right they Mm -hmm. were just there by association right yeah but i think what i really kind of got into was kind of a little bit of like the heavier more growly stuff 
but every band that I like that kind of has those elements also has like really bright instruments like like trumpet and trombone or violin or something like that where like it has those like really rough growly moments but it has these like really light bright moments too yeah and like as a as a younger person I was definitely kind of attracted to like those screaming vocals but like nowadays I'm not really at all and honestly what attracted me a lot to kind of this more progressive rock progressive metal side of things was that it was more it wasn't growling it wasn't growling and screaming and stuff like that it was yeah. just it was singing sorry i didn't mean like the vocals i meant like the like bass and the drums were like deeper and growlier okay yeah that's, that's fine <laughs> but I, i'm just saying like, that's what attracted me to kind of this more progressive style of music was that it, it did lack that like screaming right which is something which is like the opposite of what i was looking for previous when i was younger i was mm -hmm. attracted to that screaming but i don't know i guess i grew out of it yeah and yeah, so it just kind of like made me more interested in like kind of the instrumentation of music. Yeah. So I would like, you know, listen to like, instead of like, honestly, vocals for me is just kind of like a, another instrument often. Mm -hmm. I'm not really listening to like the lyrical content too much of songs and stuff. Lyrics and vocals, they kind of, uh, they're just another instrument. They kind of fit into the soundscape. And sometimes, obviously, there's good vocals, there's good vocal lines, and they hit you good. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I'm not trying to downplay vocals and lyrics at all because they obviously have their place. But, like, the best bands that I've heard, their vocals are... They fit in with the instruments. Like, it feels like it's more part of the music rather than it's a vocal line outside of the music. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the the, 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 the singer is just kind of like another instrument, in my opinion. Yeah. And, that, and especially in metal, like, because you can barely understand what they're saying. <laughs> so it's just like, it, especially in metal, that the vocals just kind of end up being another, like, frequency in the sonic soundscape. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it kind of, it, it made me kind of focus more on, my friend Brendan was a drummer, so he would always, like, point out drum parts to me, and then that kind of got me interested, and I would listen to the drums and stuff like that, and yeah. started picking out, it like, individual instruments, and being like, oh, I like this part and this song and stuff like that. And right. Yeah, so, like, Tool was a big thing. Um, I, great album is 10,000 Days. Mm -hmm. It's a great album of uh, Lateralist is also really good. Uh, Protest the Hero was kind of like earlier in my metal days, but I appreciated them so much more once I got into progressive music. <laughs> and, uh, Kazaya is obviously amazing. It's an amazing album. And Fortress is really good. And it goes back to, I think we said it on the last podcast, but... I don't know if I can say that I'm a fan of, like, Protest the Hero, because I like those two albums, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really listened much to their newer stuff, but those two albums are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was cool because uh, it was a few years ago they did the Kazaya 10-year anniversary album tour mm. so they just like played kazaya from front to back and i went to that and then like a couple years later i think it was the year after or the the maybe two years after they did the fortress 10 year anniversary tour that is cool and i went to that as well and both were great. the fortress one was better uh i think it was just because 
I was a little bit more drunk at that show. I was at the <laughs> Palace Theater, and I like went in the mosh pit, and it was amazing. I had a great time at that show. Even though I think I like Kazaya is the superior album, I had more fun at the Fortress album show. Sometimes it comes down to who you listen to the music with. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it was like, I mean, all the same people went to both shows. So. All right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it was like all the same guys at the Kazaya show that were at the Fortress show because they're, they're just fans of protested here, all right? So... But yeah, and then, uh, you know, Mastodon, Crack the Sky, it was huge for me too. And uh, a f- cool story about Mastodon, actually. So I saw, I've seen Mastodon twice. I saw them the one time, the very first time that I had even listened to Mastodon, I saw them live, actually, which mm-hmm. was at that Crack the Sky thing with Brendan. And then the next time I saw them was years and years ago later. Uh, I think it was maybe two years ago now, but saw them in Mexico City of all places at a metal festival. It was like a two-day metal festival. We got like a killer deal to go down there, uh, me and some friends, and saw Mastodon play. There was actually, there was a lot of cool bands. There was like Judas Priest and Deep Purple and uh there was so like guar and uh, it was i I know i'm just naming the darkness tenacious d all these people (laughs) it was so cool it was so cool but what makes this so stand out is on the first day it was like torrential downpour Mm -hmm. did not expect it me and my butt buddies we brought i think no we didn't even bring any sort of rain gear uh i was just in shorts and a t-shirt and it was like just a downpour and when it started we were moshing so it was like kind of cool you're outside you're moshing in the rain you're warm but as soon as that band stopped playing and it was still just pouring rain we're just like okay i'm cold now and like everybody was huddling in the bathrooms or like just trying to find garbage bags and put garbage bags on it didn't stop raining all night wow but but mastodon was playing that night we went to go see Mastodon and like it started to like thunder and lightning. Yeah. So we went into the crowd watching Mastodon and they're on this giant stage outside and there's like lightning cracking behind the stage. That's crazy. And they have this song that's called Blood and Thunder. Right. And they just like start playing Blood and Thunder and lightning is cracking in the background and I'm just sitting there in the middle of this fucking crowd in Mexico City and just like my mind like my jaw is on the ground because my mind is being blown by like what i'm experiencing right it was so so insane probably one of the coolest shows i think i've ever seen i'm probably gonna say that a lot in this podcast (laughs) because like i have so many good concert memories but yeah mastodon was a huge influence on me and that's uh and oh also uh porcupine tree fear of a blank planet it's more progressive rock over progressive metal but that is probably one of the coolest progressive rock albums that exists out there. And I highly recommend that everybody, if you haven't listened to Fear of a Blank Planet, go and listen to it now because it is freaking amazing. But this is, a, sorry, again, this is the period that I started to appreciate Pink Floyd more as well. Right. Because all this progressive music and stuff like made me go back and kind of listen to these Pink Floyd albums with like, a new ear and it was it was really cool nice yeah so that's awesome yeah do you have like a favorite concert memory um 
not really. I have, I still haven't been to so many concerts, maybe only like 16 or so. And those are like small local bands, mostly like I haven't been to very many big concerts. Um, I did have a lot of fun. Me and my friend went to um, a ska show and she had never uh, really experienced music like that before. I kind of showed her the band that I was really excited to see, which was the Dreadnoughts. I showed her them beforehand, but they are a little bit ska, I guess, but like mo the bands before them were definitely ska. It was like K-Man and the 45s and uh, I don't remember who else was playing, but they're really good. And this, like, trombone player was, like, uh, at Dickens, there's, like, this little balcony that's raised that's, like, to the left of the stage. And we were kind of sitting there, and this trombone player is, like, balancing on the railing behind the crowd playing his trombone. And we're like, what is happening? <laughs> it was awesome. It was also the first time that she got to mosh and she had so much fun. She's like, I don't even know why I've never done this before. <laughs> so I don't know. And then like just going and seeing like local bands, like one of my all time favorite local bands is, um, I am the mountain. And just every single time I see them live is my favorite time. Uh -huh. Like they're just so good every time. Yeah, no, totally. I definitely agree with that. And it's kind of weird because, like, or it's not weird, I guess, but I didn't really get into local music until, really, until, I, honestly, I started this podcast. Right. And because I didn't even know that, like, the local music scene was as big as it was, uh, had as many, like, that it was, like, thriving in the way that it was and, like, that there was, you know, I don't know. I always had maybe this thought in my head that, you know, local music just wasn't going to be as good as kind of the, the more popular music that was out there and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that obviously, my mind was completely blown and it continues to be blown with the amount of talent that just exists in the city. Yeah, I honestly didn't even realize that Calgary had a kind of local music scene before you kind of showed me what there was yeah. which was kind of a really cool thing um i was sorry i was just thinking um one of the other really cool experiences that i i come back to is uh i went to see this band play on an open air stage very very tiny little thing it was at the oak tree tavern down in kensington mm -hmm. and there was about 20 of us watching them but we all came from swing dancing um, specifically to see this band because they play swing dance music. So it was one of the first times that I kind of danced outside to live music and it was just crazy. Like I didn't even think that that was kind of possible and it was just so fun. <laughs> yeah, music, live music is awesome and like... Uh, I can relate to that in a way because, like, I was never really uh, a big dancer at music shows. I would either mosh or I would just kind of, you know, listen and just kind of, you know, bob my head along or whatever, stand there and kind of bob my head along. And then, um, you know, continuing on down the journey after progressive music and kind of smoking more weed and stuff like that, I just started exploring options and I got into like 
all types of music, like indie rock, bluegrass, um, stuff like that. Uh, Current Swell was huge. Modest Mouse, uh, The Vampire Weekend, stuff like that. I love Vampire Weekend. They're just so chill. Yeah, it was just like all kind of stuff like that. Um, so yeah, uh, actually, Current Swell, Protect Your Own is like definitely on my top ten list of albums. I would oh, nice. say uh, it's great. It's a great album. So many good songs on it, and I did again. It's just like I didn't think that I would be into stuff like that but you listen to it and it's a little bit more folky and like bluegrassy Mm -hmm. but they're just like rocking out on slide guitar and stuff like that and it's just like stuff I had never heard before and it just kind of drew me in and I'm really attracted to just like music that is different and interesting I think yeah but just sorry to go back to your point about like dancing to music I'd never really been like a big dancer to music and at this time, it, I was in my early 20s, and I was starting to kind of get into, like, everybody else. I was kind of starting to get, to get into, like, electronic music a okay. bit more, and uh, dubstep was a really big thing at mm-hmm. the time. And, like, I started trying, you know, I started listening to some dubstep, and it was really, like, there's nothing out there that sounds like dubstep. There is nothing that sounds like dubstep. Dubstep is an enti- was an entirely new thing at that point. And it was just starting to kind of get big. And it just reminded me so much of metal music. Mm-hmm. Like there's this thing in metal music that happens it's called the breakdown. Okay. And the breakdown is just like, usually it's like a slow, groovy, just like, like chuggy part. You know, that's the best way to describe it, I guess. But it's just <laughs> like, it's really, I didn't realize how hard it was to describe a breakdown. But, like, that was always my favorite part of metal music. It's the part that, like, gets you fired up. And dubstep, for me, was just, like, all breakdown. It was just, like, or the drop, at least, you know, the the, the infamous drop was, like, a breakdown. And it was awesome. It was, like, just, like, heavy, but it was electronic music, which was crazy. And so, anyways, I started getting into kind of electronic music and... My friend, again, it was Brendan. <laughs> uh, Brendan was like, yo, there's this dubstep ha- show happening at the Marquee Room. And I don't know if anybody out there remembers the Marquee Room, but there was the Marquee Theater downtown. Right. And the Marquee Room was this little club in the top of that theater. You, like, go up the stairs, and there's this room, and it had a bar in it and a stage and, like, tables and stuff. So it was, like, this bar in this old theater. He's like, so there's this dubstep show happening at the Marquee Room. Would you like to go? And I was like, yes. Anyways, get into this show, and they're playing dubstep. And I'm just like looking around and people are dancing and oh, we go and we like get a get a drink. And I had been to clubs before and like I danced at clubs, but I never really enjoyed it. It was always kind of weird and awkward for me. But here we go, we get a drink and then Brendan's like, OK, yeah, let's go. Let's go on the dance floor. And I'm like, OK. And then like we're about to enter the dance floor and I just like tap him on the shoulder and he looks at me. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to this. What do I do? Like, how do you dance? Basically. Yeah. He's like, just just move your body, man. <laughs> and like those simple words were so like that was so revolutionary in my head. Like, I don't know, something like clicked 
and I just started like flailing. Like <laughs> dubstep is like the perfect flail music, and it's basically like I said, if 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 you listen to dubstep, you kind of know it's like metal music. If you listen to both, it's such a like, uh, like life changing moment. Just those simple words, like just move your body man yeah. like nobody cares <laughs> and yeah. you look around and everybody's just doing ridiculous shit because dubstep is ridiculous music yeah it is ridiculous like it's there's just it's random noises and anyways it was those simple words like probably changed my life nice. it was crazy it's the first time that i actually like danced and like enjoyed myself you know oh that's fun yeah so that kind of actually that that night really kind of kicked kicked off my like electric music electronic music fascination nice yeah so it was like we ended up like we would make and this was kind of like when um dubstep was a little less known it was still kind of small like like i said they had this weekly show at the marquee room and we would almost we would go almost every weekend and it was a time when people like Zed's Dead and Bass Nectar and, you know, Skrillex went back in the day and all these, like, all these people who are now playing stadiums and right. festivals and shit like that, they were playing in clubs. Yeah. You know, they were playing back, like, in the clubs. They were playing, uh... Back then it was called Flame Central, and if anybody out there remembers Republic, but they were playing these small venues, these small intimate venues, and these are headliners now. These are like, you know, like stadium headliners now, which is crazy, because like, I got to see those type of acts in like a small intimate venue, because we had like just caught the wave at the right time, it right. seemed, for dubstep. <laughs> nice, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was neat. It was a neat time in my life, for sure. <laughs> so. Cool. Yeah. And, yeah, I ended up, uh, like, learning how to DJ from that. And that's still something that I love to do. And, it, it, it again, it started, it started a whole new musical journey for me. Because now I was exploring electronic music. Right. It's a whole different it's a whole avenue. Different, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. So it was neat. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And uh, there's some really good, you know, electronic music artists out there and stuff that I still listen to now. I, I've, like, chilled out on the electronic music a lot. It used to be, like, all electronic music all the time. You know, <laughs> going out every weekend and yeah. going to a show every weekend and going out with your friends and dancing until the wee hours of the morning and... Yeah, um, actually, the, the electronic music is kind of what started my kind of fascination and love of music festivals. Because the very first music festival that I went to was Shambhala Music Festival. And for those of you who are listening, if you're in Western Canada, you probably know about Shambhala Music Festival. I think it's the biggest electronic music festival in Western Canada. I could be wrong about that, but, um, yeah, went there because, you know, cool electronic music people were playing, cool dubstep people, and just kind of fell in love with the culture of music festivals. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, uh, is that kind of, like, something that 
grew and now is like your attentions are almost elsewhere because you, ha you haven't really been to any big music festivals in a couple of years now, right? No, I mean, I still go to music festivals for sure. I mean, I think I've, I've, I can't even count the amount of music festivals I've been to, but I mean, last year alone, I don't go to as big ones anymore, but I mean. But yeah, I meant more like the ones that you have to travel to. I would, st oh, I would still love to go. It's just more of a money thing. Like back, back in the day, I didn't really have, you know, ambitions and stuff outside of just having the most amount of fun that I possibly could. Right. So that was like dumping all my money into music festivals or whatever. And now I have like different ambitions, you know, it's like, uh, I value snowboarding a lot and that takes up a lot of money and, uh, you know, just living a productive and healthy lifestyle at home and gardening and all this kind of stuff, you know, kind of, you know, takes a little bit more time and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Uh, you, you I kind of did the thing and now I would love to go to, I still love going to music festivals. Don't get me wrong. There's something about being in a crowd of people who are all there to see the same thing yeah. and like dancing or whatever. Like, I mean, we went to a couple last, last year, last summer, they're just local. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Like there's circle festival. That's great. And slam festival. Slam, is awesome. slam festival is also great. And, uh, we went to the folk festival for one day cause yeah. we got in for free. Yeah. But yeah, I still love music festivals. I, I love the whole, uh, like atmosphere like the vibe of music festivals right because it's just like music happening all day and you know you just kind of go you hang out outside because music festivals are generally outside and you soak up the nice weather you meet some cool people and you just listen to cool music like you might l discover new music which right. is one of my favorite parts about music festivals is the the possibility of discovering new music yeah yeah so I still love music festivals. I just don't get out as much as I could. Actually, one of the cool things about this podcast is I realized that, because uh, I was, like, the whole music festival thing and podcast thing kind of intersected in a, a, a bit, but with the whole podcast, I was like, yo, I can start applying to music festivals as media, because now I'm technically media. Yeah. And I can get in for free. And I got into a few music festivals for free because it was media. The most notable one was uh, Envision Festival in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I applied to be media. It was a couple of years ago, right? Uh, yeah, I think that was three years ago now. Mm -hmm. But uh, I had gone the year before and I, because uh, I was at a point in my life that, you know, I was just like, I just need to fucking do something, something crazy. And I went to Costa Rica by myself to go to this music festival and I spent two weeks there and traveled around and stuff and it was crazy but the next year i applied to be media and ended up getting in so i got to cover envision festival in costa rica as media and i got to go for free so that was kind of cool that's cool yeah so yeah that was an interesting experience for sure yeah nice. so, so like that's kind of like all the the this kind of sums up my musical journey journey up until the point of really getting into kind of like local music. Mm -hmm. um, I've delved into pretty much all the musical genres you can think of, except for maybe country. Um, electronic music also kind of kicked off a love of hip hop because there's so much like 
classic hip-hop samples and electronic music and stuff and it also kicked off a love of funk because again there's a lot of like classic kind of like funk riffs that they take and like sample and put into electronic music and it just like broadened my horizons so much more mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i i honestly love all music anything that's interesting anything that's different anything that i can tell that people are like trying something new i just find myself attracted to yeah yeah indeed (laughs) yeah so i mean that's kind of like and then like i said i i started this podcast and it kind of just put me into the local music scene and made me kind of explore you know more local music and kind of delve into that rabbit hole and that's been real fun because you can go and see these bands on a regular basis and you don't have to spend so much money and they're in your local town and you can connect with them and you see them everywhere and stuff like that it's real it's neat i don't know yeah it's really cool especially like being like, oh my gosh, I just saw this guy at the supermarket and he's the, like, lead of my favorite band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's, like, there's lots of stuff. Because, like, uh, you know, they're just regular people. Yeah. It, it's no more apparent than when you're listening to local music that, like, all these musicians that you idolize, they're just regular people. Yeah. Like, no matter how big they are, they are still just regular people. Yeah. But, uh... And then that, now we're in the thing of streaming and uh streaming concerts and stuff like that and it's cool and i'm I'm, it's it's cool to see that people are still able to perform music for people even though we're not allowed to gather in groups and stuff like that so yeah it's cool that technology has allowed musicians to still perform basically yeah i saw this really cool thing i think it happened about a month ago in europe I don't remember which Scandinavian country, but it happened somewhere where basically they, this band played live in this giant parking lot and people came and parked their cars and could tune into a certain radio station and it played live through their radios, but they could like see the band. Yeah. I think I heard something about that. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And it's cool that they're kind of doing, uh, like festivals and stuff online now too. Like, like obviously all... Pretty much all music festivals have been canceled this year. Yep. So it's cool that they're finding different ways to still kind of provide people with the music festival experience as best they can in the comfort of their own homes. Right. You know, putting on a streaming set and then just, uh, you know, just being able to chat with people while you're like listening to the music, dancing in your living room or whatever, I think is huge. I mean, we tuned into the the one that Opio like, did. It was a live release of his whatever. Oh yeah, it was the, it was the live the the world premiere of his live show, uh, Red Rock show that he did with the Sigzi Sigzi Orchestra or whatever, which is one of the coolest live albums that you're ever gonna listen to. It's Opio live at Red Rocks with the Sigzi Orchestra. I think that's what it's called, but. Uh, one of the coolest live albums of all time. It combines electronic music with orchestra music. It blew my mind the first time I heard it, and it blew my mind when we watched it, the world premiere there. 
and yeah, it's just stuff like that is cool. Like being a part of that community. And like I said, still being able to connect with like-minded individuals like you might at a music festival and just from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of like, uh, that kind of goes over my musical, <laughs> musical journey and kind of how I got to where I am and how I got interested in the music that I'm interested in and how I listen to music and stuff like that because um, all these things affect the way I listen to music and what I like and stuff like that. And yeah, for sure. I'm like definitely, like I said, more more interested in stuff that's different and like new and unique and whatnot. And I just love music. I love all types of music. So yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, probably close this out now. Sure. Um. So, any final words, thoughts? Uh, music is cool and stuff. <laughs> great, great closing remarks. <laughs> music is cool and also stuff. <laughs> I agree, though. Music is cool. And, you know, in these times of uncertainty, I know we're starting to kind of open up in places and whatnot. And we're trying to start to get back to normal. But, you know, it's still there's still no music going on and so do what you can for your local musicians buy an album buy a t-shirt tune into their live stream whatever it may be give them a like or a follow comment on their stuff on social media they're going to super appreciate that too yeah but just i think just remember that there are the people out there who were providing you with music are probably struggling at this moment all artists are probably struggling at this moment there are definitely some that are able to adapt better than others. and But I just think that we need to be aware and be supportive of everybody. And that's not just artists, but just kind of we need to come together, you know, as a society and help each other out through these times of uncertainty. Yeah, definitely. So thank you very much for listening. I know that this was a little different and I hope that we can get back to providing you with some some interviews as soon as possible thank you very much to tiara for uh joining me on this podcast yeah thanks for having me it's always fun yeah and uh i hope that you guys are all safe and i hope that you're listening to some cool new music because you have the time and yeah stay safe stay healthy and stay tuned for some cool new content thanks for listening If you like this episode of Groove Talk, why not leave a review? You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Help us break through those evil algorithms and reach the most amount of glorious listeners that we possibly can. For up-to-date information on the show, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find us at Froggy Style Productions. For more ways to support the show, visit fsproductions.ca.